This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast, Hassan Alcantara joins us to share his incredible story. He spent seven months trapped inside of an airport in Kuala Lumpur after escaping Syrian civil war. Canada came to his rescue. He's now sharing his story, and he has a book. Steve Stebbing, excited to chat about going back to a real movie theater. He reviews Cruella, A Quiet Place 2, and more with What the Hell Should We Watch This Weekend? And are you okay with getting a haircut? Because maybe we can soon. That's awesome. Except for Brendan, because he's got no hair. But aside from that, it's great. And many more Are You Okays, too. It is time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with Ryan dancing to this music bed, Brendan? Because I find it weird. I, you do it too. <laughs> we all do it, to be honest. Yeah, to, exactly. to pull back the radio curtain, for some reason, every single night we dance to the... Yeah? Yeah, we all do. Don't pull, uh, don't pull back the, uh, the curtain too much here. You're going to turn into that MP, William Amos. Oh, no, it's too much. Yeah. Throw the curtain back over a little bit. <laughs> Close the curtain, William. Come on. Are you okay? Are you okay with getting a haircut? <laughs> Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I get a haircut every day. Cause I, yeah. yeah. I give myself yeah. a haircut every single day. So, mm, yeah, I'm okay with it. Just use like a Bic? Yeah. Well, not like a Bic, like, because I find Bic, um, they, they, little, Bic causes nicks, so, mm. uh, he's a little bit better than a Bic, but, yeah. All fancy. Yeah. All right. Whatever I can afford. Yeah. Ryan O'Donnell, are you okay with, uh, getting a haircut? I'm going to get one on Monday. I open up. Nice. pre-booked. I'm going to a barber, like a, a nice bar, a really good barber, because I have no idea what to do with my hair anymore. I, no, I used to I have I gotta get mine done. And to the Don't right. Hurt. Yep. But now I kind of like it down. I don't know what to do. So I'll take it to someone who knows what to do. But I'm excited because mm. it's like getting all curly at the back. Do you get that? Where no. your hair curls and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But the cow, I got a cow leg back there. So it's a little bit weird. Um, and it's... Uh, but it does. It, like it's long. It's heavy. It's in my face. I look like I have a bowl on my head right now. Not yeah. a big fan. Um a few months ago, here on the shift, we brought you this story from e, uh, from Seven News. Love them or hate them, mullets are back. Once bogan, now a trend in Brighton. Oh well. Love them or hate them, mullets are back. Once bogan, now a trend in Brighton. Oh well, it's a crazy haircut. They look pretty good, to be honest. So many people from my year have them, like all around the place. You walk around and you see so many of them. Former Brighton grammar students famous for the short front and longer back include Australian cricketer Will Pakovsky and Warwick Kappa. Oh, I love mullets. I started the mullets when I was eight. I was actually at Brighton grammar about 25 years ago and I used to get the cane because it was too long. So I had to put it behind my ears. Now Brighton grammar is reminding its students to cut the locks before school starts or risk being sent home. It has even used clean-cut Hollywood star Zac Efron as a guide, although he recently revealed signs he's growing the back. The stylist says mullets are a hot hairstyle trend with up to 30 customers a week wanting the look, at least until the end of holidays. Well, I've got a couple of weeks, so I hope it just grows out and then it should be fine. Rules are meant to be broken. 
Okay. Um, so good, actually, that uh, we got the beginning twice there for you, which mm-hmm. was pretty exciting. Let's be honest. Well, it seems another place on Earth is falling that uh, Austrian school's lead. You have to say it properly. Uh, the Aust- Australian. We're going to be Aust- Australian. Actually, you know, I again, I was there for six months. You don't even say out when you're there. You say Straya. 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 Uh, what do you say in Austria? Probably the same. Straya. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Hmm. Seems odd. It means geography has them quite far apart. That's a typo. Anyway, uh, in Straya, um, banning the mullet. North Korea has decided to ban mullets, certain piercings, and skinny jeans in a bid to keep the country free from decadent Western fashion trends. I mean, if you've seen the leader, I mean, boy, you talk about on the, on the, on the, on the edge of fashion with that haircut. It's tight. According to South Korean broadcaster Yonhap News, it follows a state-run newspaper warning last week that more needs to be done to prevent capitalistic culture from taking over the country. We must be wary of even the slightest sign of the capitalistic lifestyle and fight to get rid of them, the article said. Fashion is also getting a bit more boring. Mullets, spiky, and dyed hair are no longer A-OK. The Guardian reports that members of the state-run youth organization often act as the nation's fashion police, and their duties include censoring clothes that look too foreign. Man, Ryan, can you imagine if you walked out in North Korea with your shoes? Well... I'd probably be detained about 20 minutes before that for just being there in general. But, uh, yeah, they, well, I wish them luck in trying to get my Jordans off my feet. Good luck with that. Good luck. You know what happens to people who try to run across that border, eh? Usually doesn't go well. I will jump higher than the landmine will go. Hmm. Well, I'm curious where in the world we're going to go for this next story. (laughs) We seem to be traveling all over the place. Before we get into this story, though, here is a clip from Comedians Zebra Corner titled, If Commercials Were Real Life, The Burger King Impossible Whopper. We conducted an experiment to evaluate how well Whopper fans know their beloved Whopper. The people you will see here are real people, and these are their real reactions. What the hell is this? I love Whoppers. I've turned Burger King into a crime scene a time or two. I've probably eaten about two Whoppers a week for the last 20 years. Good Lord. Your blood must be like Play-Doh. I mean, yeah, I love the Whopper, but I hate everything else about the Burger King experience. If it's not beef, I don't want it. First bite, I would know the difference between beef and whatever else you have. Little do they know, their Whopper patty was actually made from plants. I think someone put a notebook in my sandwich. Oh. (laughs) Are you okay? Are you okay with Burger King? Yeah, I don't mind yeah. a little BK. Yeah. I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. The burgers are good. The flame broiled is really good. Yeah, I like that. Whopper part. is amazing. Whopper with cheese, and there, I like that they actually put like tomatoes on the burger. Like, there's more veggies there, and it's not because they're healthy. I mean, it's I'm going to Burger King. Right? It's the fact that it adds mm. some flavor. It's the fries that get me though, right? I can't do it. Just because the other location burger places, their fries are just top notch. Really is the truth, right? I mean, if, if they could figure out the French fries, yes, I would go more often. That's for sure. A 77 is sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a woman <laughs> who hails from Florida 
who is 77, faces a felony battery charge after police say she threw a burger at a Burger King employee before calling her several racial slurs. According to CBS 2, Judith Ann Black was not satisfied with the Whopper sandwich she had ordered and yelled at an employee at a Burger King restaurant. Police say that uh, Ms. Black was read her Miranda rights and she agreed to speak with them about the incident. So why was she unhappy with her burger? According to police, she stated that she was upset about the thickness of the tomato. Now, because she used racial slurs, she's facing a felony charge in all this. She was arrested and taken to jail without incident. Wow. What a way to show your true colors, eh? Tomato. <laughs> First night in jail, how'd you, what'd you do? I threw a Burger King at a Burger yeah. King. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so, so I unfortunate. Guy. I feel so bad for the. Why'd you kill a guy? There. Yep, because he stole something from me. He stole my partner, my love. What did you do? Threw a burger. Why'd you throw a burger? My tomato was too thin. Actually, you know the person who would scare you the most in that scenario would probably be the burger thrower because you're like, whoa, <laughs> that is a yeah. whole other level of. <laughs> you went there. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay with night driving? I used to be, but I don't think the eyes are as good as they used to be. And also, you know what? Here, they don't have any reflective lines in this province at all, which I think is terrible because it rains so much at night here. So that's my rant. you, You guys have like the reflectors on the roads, especially on the island, right? Like driving on the island in the rain. You get you 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 drive and then the headlights light up everywhere. And in Ontario, there's actually lots of potholes, but there's actually lines on the road. And in Alberta, there's just like it's there's just no lines Nothing. anymore. Never, no. like never is there lines on the road. And I don't know how a tourist could come here and drive in Alberta because it's like the snowplow just scrapes off the lines in the winter time. It's the craziest thing. But I got to say, as a guy who needs to get glasses for the first time in his life, I do look forward to maybe night driving. I mean, not that I have a hard time with it. I've, it's never really bothered me. But now that I've been told I need glasses, I kind of look at the speed signs and go, yeah, that is a little fuzzy. Turns out it doesn't say 180. Oh, you just really wish it did. Yeah, right. Okay, well, um, um, how about this? Uh, here's another little are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay with another car crashing into a building? A a a build a build. A build a... It's mail it in Friday. You got to give me a pass on these. At least you get one per. Are you okay? That's the new rule on mail it in Friday. You got to pick and choose your typo button. Okay. Are you okay with another car crashing into a building? That's a typo. In an ironic way. Last week, we shared a story of how someone crashed their car into a We Buy Any Car building, car dealership. This week, it gets even more ironic. Here's more from ABC 16. An SUV slammed into a building in Schuylkill County. The story's new this morning. It happened just after midnight. We have video from the Skook News website. The SUV apparently ran off White Owl Drive just outside of Mahanoy City and slammed into the Silver Pines Treatment Center. Skook News reports the driver was checked for driving under the influence and no one was hurt in this morning's crash in Schuylkill County. 
So an intoxicated person crashed into a treatment center? Yes. A drunk driver crashed into a rehab. Alleged. Just to be Alleged. Clear. That is true. Alleged. I also want to highlight that the 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 news site is Skook News. Just like S K O O K. That's fun. I like that. I do like that. Skook. I do like that. And now from Skook News. It's fun, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Are you okay? Are you okay with pole dancing? It's difficult. I've I, I have d- never done it as a job, surprisingly. Not on my resume. <laughs> Not on my resume, but I have attempted it because I knew someone who had a pole in their home. Uh-huh. It is. It does. It takes a lot of core strength. It's difficult. It's quite a skill. Crazy. It is quite a skill, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um also curious thank you for sharing <laughs> um but i mean it is an art form in itself it is athletic like never before and a lot of people do it just for fun a lot of people do it in sort of their relationships some people do it just for the fitness aspect like you see some of those guys and gals they like run up to those poles and then they look like they're a flag like they're so strong that's yeah it's unbelievable they can do a friend of mine yeah. does it like posts instagram videos of just them like it's insane how well they could hold their body up while also like i yeah i'm gonna take the shape of a flag it's crazy it's yeah. cool though it's neat yeah a pole dancing studio not a strip club a pole dancing studio one of the places where you go and you learn how and all that stuff just want to be clear it's not a strip club is facing backlash uh backlash after it tried to start a new program i mean hey everyone's getting a little creative as they like to call it through the pandemic, you got to pivot. Uh, the new program that they've started at this pole dancing studio is called Poles for Kids. The program is going to be called Pole Dancing Class for Mothers and Their Children to Attend Together. <laughs> what? That was the title? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this wow. story is amazing. No. Ran out of paper. No. So many called out the program as disgusting and hypersexualizing children, including Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. Here's more from KAIT News 8. Megan Brown, co-founder of the nonprofit Hope Found of Northeast Arkansas, is worried a pole dancing class would put children in harm's way. It, it um, objectifies them, and the hypersexualization of of children is so closely related, intertwined with child exploitation and child sex trafficking. As there are other fitness centers nearby with similar programs, many who posted about the program at Vixens shared another concern. They say the fact that the owner has a personal relationship with this man, Eric Wayne Counts, is troubling. Counts was arrested in January on charges of possessing child pornography. Paragold police say that they are not investigating Vixen's fitness regarding the class, and there is no link between the business and Counts' arrest in January. According to the Arkansas Secretary of State, Counts is not involved with the ownership of the company either. In the meantime, the business's Facebook page is down. And Miranda Ogles, the owner of Vixen's, issued a statement to Originate News, saying, quote, I have had the worst 24 hours of my life. Never have I been attacked and hated the way people in this community have treated me. Ogle says the idea of starting a children's class wasn't hers. Instead, a woman requested the class for her granddaughter and says once the flyer went out, other parents signed up their children as well. Business tip. 
When someone comes into your pole dancing studio and says, hey, you should do pole dancing for kids. As a business, you go, no thanks. Can I introduce you to a pole vendor? And also, can I get your name and address and phone number so I can let somebody know? You know what I mean? Yeah, there is a lot to unpack there. And even if that guy has no affiliation, the guy with the child pornography charges has no affiliation whatsoever with that studio, that is still a very, very unfortunate circumstance that makes me very, very, very uncomfortable. Well, I mean, the only like that's dreadful. I mean, no affiliation, really. It came up in the story. Someone found it that easily. Let's be honest. I mean, it's not like someone was going, hmm, what can we research to make this story a little bit more nefarious? I know. I wonder if they're friends with any child predators, right? I mean, it must have been easy to find. Like, yeah. you're f also friends with on Facebook and go, what the actual? And then it gets included in the story. So it's not like I don't think it was would have been that difficult to find. A little bit of read the room there. Um, I'm all for capitalism in that, you know, make a healthy dollar, share the dollar, take care of your community. This isn't that. <laughs> this is not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are certain <laughs> free markets that should be avoided. This is the Shift Podcast. Every now and then you come across a story that is both touching and unbelievable all at once. Somehow you can relate to it. And somehow it's just can't even fathom it. And that is this conversation right here. When we go travel, we often think, oh, do I have my passport? Oh, did I bring my flip-flops? Oh, did I have my sunscreen? We don't really think about, what if I never get out of here? It's not something that comes to mind. Well, probably because our lives today, as much as we like to complain about Canadian politics, our lives today are somewhat stable. When you come from a place where civil war is frankly nasty. I'm not quite sure you have that same perspective. Well, this is the story of a gentleman who uh, ended up living at the airport. He did. Hassan Al-Kantar. Kantar. Kantar. Nuts, I was going to get it right. Hassan. You did. Um, I did. I did. You know, I've been working really hard. Part of my personal goal thing is to not only pronounce names sort of the anglicized English way, but really yeah. try to learn how to pronounce them properly. So can you say your name and then I'm going to try and get it right. Uh, we should start with the first name though, because no Canadian or no English people can speak it right or say it. Or well, I'm going to try. So you say it, I'm going to try. In Arabic, it's Hassan Al-Qantar. And uh, th that's something you will uh, you will never get. Hassan Al-Qantar. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, I, I'm not very good with the rolling the R thing. I, uh, yeah. I, I love that part about your native tongue, man. Like you guys roll that R like it's nothing. It's like this beautiful dance of just throw it out there. And it's like, how do you do that? It's amazing. Um, Mine is for, so heavy though. The what? R I pronounce is so heavy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always I, a bit of an A on the end of it. Even when I speak English, uh, the the letter R is so heavy, and uh, that would give me a like a heavy accent. People are still struggling with it. I tried to get loose of it, and I tried to uh, be more Western or Canadian, but I could not. 
Uh, I think it's hard to fill the cup which is already full and uh, to learn the language from scratch when you are 38, 39 years old. Mm. It's hard to fill the cup which is already full. So I don't think I will ever be able to speak English the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a rule. I think I make it to me- I made it to make myself feel better. If we both are uh, understanding each other and what we want. Here hmm. you go. Speak the language, and that, so well, I don't that's care a good, about. That's a good tip. I don't care about grammar too much. And you're yeah. not a uh, yeah, and you're not a um, you're not alone in that. I mean, you know, it's often hard for people who speak French to uh, soften the R up like we do over here in the world, and same thing with Spanish too. So you're not alone in that. Um, hmm. That's for sure. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm there are so many questions to this story. I don't know where you want to start because you started as a Syrian civil war leaving then you ended up at an airport uh that's the very short version of it <laughs> yeah it simplified it a little bit <laughs> it's too simple uh no uh well here's the story quickly but i will circle back to what you said at your beginning when you spoke about canadians and that's a very important issue for me so we are going to cover that in in, in, uh, in a second but to answer your question and to give people uh like a, um, a summary of what happened um my name is Hassan, and I'm from Syria originally, uh, from a city called Suweda. It's south of Damascus, the capital, 100 kilometers of Damascus. And I left Syria for the first time in 2006, and I left it to Dubai, United Arab Emirates. And I uh, started a job there with insurance. I was insurance marketing. Uh, with time, I became a branch manager for an insurance company until 2011. I was legal, my career was booming, money was there, car, and it's Dubai. Uh, So you can imagine the kind of life I was having. Uh, Until 2011, when the Syrian war started, and that's when I start understanding life from a different perspective, that uh, uh, you don't control your destiny all the time. Um, There will be a time where others may control your destiny, individuals, those who are fighting over power. And uh, you become a captive, actually. So I lost my work permit because I refused to join the Syrian army. I did not want to kill my own brother or to destroy my own uh, home. So uh, they refused to renew my passport, and I lost my work permit because of that. So I become, from 2011 until 2017, illegal and run, hiding. You cannot work without a work visa. So um, I was having some daily jobs, uh, washing dishes or uh, any kind of job. I used to live uh, on a car for a a part of time for years, actually. Then public gardens and um, I slept on stairs, uh, buildings. Uh, It was a hard time for me from 2011 until 2017 when the immigration, uh, Dubai immigration, they uh, captured me, they detained me, and they uh, deported me to Malaysia. Why Malaysia? Because it's one of a few countries who accepting Syrians on arrival visa for three months. They wanted to deport me back to Syria. But I said, listen, you guys, you cannot do this because this is an international law. You cannot send someone back to their conflict, uh, uh, to any conflict zone. 
so they deported me to Malaysia. I stayed there for three months. Malaysia, uh, I could not, as a Syrian, you cannot have a work permit in Malaysia, nor seek asylum because it's not a signatory of the 1951 Refugee Convention. So I tried to go to Ecuador. I bought a ticket and uh, through Turkish airline, and they did not allow me to board. So I lost my money. Why did that? They did not allow me to board. Well, we can. He did not say, but I know that it's because of my nationality. I'm Syrian, so I'm a threat. And uh, then a week after that, I tried to go to Cambodia. Uh, I arrived to Cambodia, but the Cambodian airport authorities uh, did not uh, accept my entry. And they sent me back to Malaysia, same day on the same plane. Malaysia did not accept me to enter. And that's when I stuck at the airport. Wow. So I was running out of options. I tried everything. But it's a kind of uh, bureaucratic dilemma. So there's a crack on the system. And uh, it all lined up to uh, find myself with the impossible with the impossible situation. I tried all the options available for me as Syrian, and all of them did not work. So I ended up at the airport. Wow. So you ended up living inside the Kuala Lumpur airport. Terminal 2, yes. It's, uh, uh, it's not the main terminal there. It's only for Air Asia, and um, it only served the Asian countries, like uh, or even Australia, like Indonesia, uh, Cambodia, Taiwan, Thailand, uh, China, that kind of uh, airline. So it was the small airline. Uh, it's a small, small terminal. Uh, I was, uh, my kingdom was uh, about 100 yards, corridor with two bathrooms uh, at the end of, uh, of it and a bunch of stairs with an escalator, uh, an electric, uh, electrical escalator to the duty free. But uh, I was denied. Uh, I was not allowed to go to the uh, duty free. So I used uh, the area, the corner under the escalator as my sleeping area for seven months. So how did you eat? Uh, technically, I was um, still the responsibility of uh, Air Asia because they they transported me to Cambodia, and uh, the Cambodians sent me back through Air Asia only. So I was still under their responsibility. So they were sometimes providing me with uh, mails from the uh, like uh, the airline mails, uh, but it was the same meal three times a day for seven months. What was it? Some rice and chicken. Wow. Do you ever eat rice and chicken now? Uh, rarely. rarely. Yeah, I uh, I, I'm not a foodie guy, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, it was annoying at the beginning. It, the whole situation it was bizarre, annoying. The food, uh, not be able to have a shower, dirty clothes all the time. Then I, uh, there was a time where I started discovering myself again. Uh, with the media, with the social media, I start looking into it from a different perspective. I start feeling proud of what I'm doing because I was telling my people's story and my story. I did not give up without a fight. And uh, after that, uh, none of 
the small things become an issue for me. Uh, and I kept telling myself, I never heard anyone died because he was sleeping on a chair. So, and everything starts uh, huge. Uh, if you give yourself the time, if you did not panic, if you breathe, uh, if you cool down, you will start finding the keys to it. Uh, and that's what I did with my dirty clothes, with my showering, with my cup of coffee, with my uh, internet connection, with my mobile charger. So I start finding solutions for it. Yeah. People started to recognize you as they came through, mm. as thanks to social media. I mean, the, the cover of the book is very clear, and I quite like it. Um, Man at the Airport. Uh, how social media saved my life. So people did start to recognize you. What was that like the first time when someone walks up and they say, Hassan, hey, you're that dude. <laughs> you're the guy from the from the under the escalator. Sure. Um, now, I mean, discovering yourself and then getting acknowledged by someone else. Those are two very different processes in life. It must have felt fantastic. Uh, sometimes, not all the time. There was a time when I felt myself uh, a zoo animal. Uh, they kept telling me, oh, you are a celebrity now. And I kept saying, uh, no, I'm not. A celebrities, they have their own jets. They don't stuck at airport. I'm more like a zoo animal. And uh, there was a time when I will accidentally look around me and I will find someone who's taking pictures for me uh, uh, secretly uh, right. without even saying hi or hello. Uh, but, um, and there was the struggle, the always struggle, where I, I always in my mind tried to look into the bigger picture, not into the small details. Uh, and uh, it happened with messengers and it happened with the media interviews. Uh, they kept asking what I'm doing at the airport and what my daily life looked like. Uh, and I kept trying to drag them into the serious question. It's not what I'm doing at the airport. It's why I am at the airport. And uh, they kept, uh, for example, um, do, you, do you know what is the common questions between people? And media, and the same question was always there in each and every interview or whenever I met uh, an individual. They will ask, did you watch the Terminal movie? Really? That's the first question? Yeah. Really, eh? Or it will be there. It will be there at the beginning of it. There was a time when, uh, I'm sorry, I know that uh, some people ask you this before. I know it may be a cliche, but did you watch the Terminal movie? And I tried to come up with my, with my uh, funny version of answer. So I will tell them, well, yeah, I did. But uh, he has Catherine Zeta-Jones and I have no one. Bring me Catherine and I will wait for as long as she wants. You'll be okay. <laughs> you know what my question was going to be? It's funny that you said that. I um, my, my question was going to be, would you ever make your own version of the movie? Documentary, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the way I see it in my mind, I want to reflect uh, um, the Syrian tragedy since 2010. Yeah. Because my story, people think that it's unique. It's not. The way I handle it, is the unique part. But my story is the story of millions since 2011. Do you think, let me ask you a question since we are uh, on a campfire with somebody. Absolutely. Uh, do you think that I'm the only one or the first one, a Syrian one who's stuck at the airport? Yeah, I would imagine. Um, I would imagine no. Do I you would think imagine, I'm the last one? I would imagine there's probably people stuck in airports around the world right now. 
but I will also acknowledge the fact that I have also never thought about it. I will tell you now, uh, as a fact, since the time I arrived to Canada, which is two and a half years ago, so far I dealt with 26 cases similar to mine. Wow. Whenever people are stuck at the airport, they reach out to me right now. And uh, what should we do? But the way I handled it was different. And that's why I'm proud of it, because uh, uh, it made me who I am. And it made me realize that who you become while marching towards your dream is more important than the dream itself. Mm. There was a time at the end of, before they uh, jailed me at Malaysia, for two months, there was a time where I did not care any longer if I will be sent back to Syria, if I will come to Canada. I did what I want to do. I I, uh, I told my story and my people's story. And, and uh, that's why I wrote the book. When I arrived to Canada and I start meet Canadians, and um, the minute they ask me where I'm from, I will say I'm from Syria. And they will have this empathy and sympathy, genuine one. And uh, they will, oh, sorry. Uh, they will start asking about you, my family. And they know something about the war and what's going on. But they know nothing about Syria before the war. They never heard from a Syrian directly. They hear from us about the, from the news. They have a stereotype in their minds about refugee camps, vulnerable people, uneducated, unskilled people who may come and start living on, a, on a, the welfare from the government. When it's not the true, Syrians are skilled, are uh, skilled workers, educated people. So whatever I'm doing now in Canada, I'm, I'm trying to build that bridge, bridge between the two cultures and bring the gap closer because Canadians are different. I, I want them to understand that uh, life is not only about what you want. It's about what you have. So while you're working towards what you want, try to enjoy what we have. Because what you have is the impossible dreams for millions and millions and millions around the world. It's, it's, it's not about having a perfect country. Such country doesn't exist. It only exists on books. It's about having a country where you feel your value as an individual, where you have rights as a human being, where you have voice. Uh, dignity, and um, you know that uh, you start understanding what democracy means, uh, what human rights mean, uh, independent judiciary, uh, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of belief. Uh, people take things for granted when it when it's not. Uh, that's why I enjoy the smallest thing in my life, and uh, they keep asking me why do you enjoy uh, a fire camp or beer or a cup of coffee because. It makes me feel normal because there was time when people took away that from me and it was all what I want to feel normal that a human being. Yeah. Well, I hear that. I hear that connection from to feel like a human being when you feel, I mean, you didn't make the direct connection, but when you feel like a zoo animal in a fishbowl, how the desire to feel normal uh, is there. And, and I think that you're right. I think that you're right when you say that we often think about cause and effect, right? Remember, the cause of all this was not the airport. Um, the cause was Syria. The cause was the fact that you took a stand into not settling for someone else's storyline. 
come back to Syria, fight against your people, fighting for something that you don't believe in, so on. And I also, I also hear, um, I also hear the fear in it, not from you. I hear the fear in it in the Turkish Airlines story. The we don't want to get involved, really. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're from the you're from the bad neighbor, right? So we don't want to deal with you because a, if we help you, that can be problematic for our planes, and b, if we try to help you and you're a bad guy, that's problematic for us. So you can sort of see that um, that not belonging to anything like you speak of is uh, must be incredibly, incredibly uh, difficult for you. The book is the book is Man at the Airport. And um, you can pre-order the book if you go to manattheairport.com. What's one thing you're left with today, Hassan, when you get up or you see about Canada that I think Canadians, to your point, I think Canadians don't often realize how great this country is. I mean, I always just fundamentally say water. We have water. And even that is not true all across Canada. So we take an awful lot for granted. What do you see about Canada as a guy who's been living here now after all you've been through between Syria and success in your career and then having that all come apart, then being stuck in other countries? What's one thing you can tell Canadians that you see in Canada that we need to know? I have uh, uh, three quick individual, like separate stories, and it it will reflect how I feel about Canada. And the three of them happened before I arrived to Canada. Uh, uh, the first one uh, is from an American teacher. I had a group of teachers, American and Canadian, who was reaching out to me at Kuala Lumpur because they work in Kuala Lumpur as an English teachers, right? So they uh, uh, quite often reach out to me with some hygiene products, coffee, food, uh, clothes. Uh, they were so kind. And one of them uh, came once and she said, uh, we were sitting watching passengers uh passing through us quickly to leave the airport while I'm sitting looking at them. Uh, She said, uh, do you know when I travel to Asia and people ask me where I'm from, I said I'm from Canada. And she's an American. And I said, uh, yeah, well, I don't know why you are telling me that. But I think somehow you that I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to Canada, so you think I'm Canadian now. Well, thank you very much. You made my day. But I understand. Uh, I, I thought a lot about what she said. Then uh, another one, I have been all over the news and media. Uh, sometimes people will send me articles and uh, with languages I could not recognize. And I would make uh, some jokes about it. Is this Klingon, I will say. And uh, yet the truth is the only lawyer who stood up and said, I'm going to represent you for free. The only group of people who reach out to me with documents and said, we have this solution, which is sponsoring you. The only official offer I get was Canadian. No other lawyer from all around the world sent me a message said, listen, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to help you to come to UK or USA or Australia or anywhere else. He was only Canadian. The third one is, I was in detention jail in Malaysia. A month after I have been jailed, Canada sent me an immigration officer to the detention jail 
to induct an interview with me and to say that we are going to sponsor you to Canada. Now, what make a country? I don't belong to in any way. I never visited before a country. I have no one there. Stood up when they thought that a human life is at risk and sent me an immigration officer from another country. He came, he traveled from Singapore and went back the same day. I remember that night after I met the immigration officer, I went back to my cell and I said, well, I, I think I'm in love. And I think I'm in love. And that's what Canada, those who, those who played with death, on a daily basis or dance on the edge of life. Those who have been denied their minimum rights or be at risk uh, all times, start enjoying uh, life will be to them equal to uh, quietness and peace, kind. And uh, that's what Canada is. Two months ago, while I was working with the Canadian Red Cross on the borders, I accidentally crossed the border to USA. I was using Google Maps and I found myself on the USA side of the border. And the minute they knew that I'm Syrian, they asked me if I have drugs or weapons. They scanned my car. They uh, they took me to the to, to their building center, whatever it is, and the Homeland Security officers investigated me for more than two hours. He asked me a question. I thought it's, it's silly to ask. Uh, when my late father uh, did his military service, he asked me and what kind of weapons he was trained on. I, that was before I born. And I said, I don't know. And after two hours, they sent me back to Canada. Now, imagine that uh, I was, I stuck at the US, uh, where I would be now if I was only Hassan, the Syrian refugee, not Hassan, the permanent resident of Canada. That's what Canada is to me. And it, it, it will start, you will start um, um, discussing on a deeper level uh, what belonging means, to belong to a country. Why do you belong to this country and that one? What belonging means. Um, uh, one of them is by birth. I'm, I'm, I belong to Syria by birth. And uh, it's a part of my DNA. I'm proud of it. It's where my childhood is, my home, uh, my family, my father's grave, uh, grave uh, my olive farm. Uh, it's uh, where I had my first crush. And I, I, uh, I love Syria, but uh, it's a part of uh, my DNA. I did not choose that. Uh, but Canada, is where I choose to belong because it made me understand uh, what does it mean to have a value as a human being. And I choose to make it a part of my DNA. And uh, it, uh, it hurts me sometimes. I, I, I hear people, I understand why people sometimes are frustrated, especially after the pandemic or during the pandemic. Uh, people are not happy with the vaccination uh, sometimes or with the hospitals or with the testing or with the tax policy or with the healthcare. Uh, it's a topic. It was there before. It's here now. And it's going to be there in the future. And that's a good thing because it means that people are observing the officials. They are keeping an eye. It means that they are alive. 
and that's great. But for me, it doesn't matter. If it's uh, more taxes, less taxes, it, it matters for me that uh, what this, where is this country standing for when it comes to human rights, to humanity, to passion, to compassion, to, to sympathy? Where are we standing? Because we are not uh, alone in this in this uh, world, and uh, we are connected with each other. This is what I care about, uh, and uh, watching the world and what's going on makes me thank God for Canada because uh, I get emotional when I speak about it. It's it's the absolute beauty for me. And uh, well, I, I like uh, imagine this like about. Those who are listening to us, just put yourself for a second in my shoes. Uh, at one day during the morning, I was in Malaysia detention jail, an overcrowded cell with more than 40 cellmates, uh, with 5.6 meters, an open, an open bathroom. Uh, the lights were on 24 hours, so cold. Uh, no bed, no blanket, no pillow, and the floor. For the first 20 years, uh, 20 days, I could not find a place to sleep. Uh, so I was sleeping standing or sitting on my knees. Uh, and during the morning, I was there. And the very same day, I found myself in Whistler. And that's something. Uh, uh, I still cannot uh, accumulate, or like, uh, cannot sometimes understand. I, and now, after two and a half years, I came uh, so far. Uh, I'm, I'm now having a job I'm in love with. I work with the Canadian Red Cross, and it's my way to be back to the community who accepted me, who gave me the opportunity. I, I wrote a book. I have my own place. I have my own car. I was driving the other day in Vancouver, and I never thought about it. The idea just crossed my mind, and... Uh, and I don't know if I should say this uh, on on radio, but I I I said, you know what? I was speaking to myself. You know what? And uh, there was a radio country music. I love it. And uh, uh, lovely uh, spring day, uh, shiny day in in uh, Vancouver. And I said, you know what? I am finally. I finally get my shit together. And uh, it, uh, I, I bought coffee and I kept driving. Well, you know, it's interesting about that is that you say that you finally, you finally have your shit together. The funny thing is, is that the getting your stuff together started so long ago, and it leads me exactly to the place that I was hoping we'd get to with this last question for you. And um, getting our lives together, waking up, becoming aware, learning about who we are, finding ourselves, like you said, you found in the airport. It often starts long before we realize it started, right? Like getting your stuff together is not like, it's not something that, that just happened because you were in the car. It's just now you see it and it takes so long ago. I was asked this question, Hassan, uh, by my counselor after my divorce. Ooh. And I was asked this question and I often listen for opportunities to share this question to you. And it's not an easy question to answer, but at the same time, it is pretty much a yes or no answer. And the question is, is now that moment that you shared listening to country music, you have your coffee, you're driving in your own car, you're in a Vancouver 
And in that moment, think of that moment and think, if you went back in time and someone told you, would you left Syria for that insurance job? These are all the things you're going to go through. You're going to have a job. It's going to fall apart. You're going to end up in no man's land. You're not going to belong to any country. You're going to live in an airport. You're going to go to jail. You're going to go through all of these things. But there's this moment. There's this moment where you're going to be driving in a car in Vancouver. You're going to have coffee. By the way, you're going to love country music. And it's going to feel like you've finally done it. So, willingly, if you know all of the shit you got to go through to get there, would you choose it if you knew this was the outcome? What a difficult question. Uh, 100%. It's beautiful, isn't it? 100%. Do you know what my answer was to my counselor? Mm. My answer was yes. Yeah, I, I hear you. I can feel you and I can understand why. Because it's, uh, as an adult, we have goals. We have dreams and we work hard to get them. Uh, fairy tales are not for us. It's for children. It's for, uh, it's uh, like a comic book. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, there is a time for you, even as an adult, where you will start, uh, after you achieve your, your, the, your dream, it was, you will start understanding that this was not a normal dream. This is a fairy tale. And it come true. And it may sound silly in your own head, but it's true. Because you have no idea during the years how much I felt ashamed and shy from myself and from my family. You have no idea how much I lost and the ultimate price I paid. Everyone walked from, uh, from me, like even my closest friends. I lost everyone because I was weak and I was uh, full of shame. I was uh, hiding and people were making laugh at me. And I was inside myself saying uh, to myself, I am better than this. And I don't deserve this. And uh, then now having this outstanding uh, result, and uh, you know what, now I understand life. Life is going to give you a bright future, but it will examine you first. Yeah, it does. It does test you and you have to, um, you have to also surrender yourself to the belief that I'm going to end up where I'm going to end up and I'm going to be in all the places I need to be in all along the way. It's remarkable. I look forward to reading the book, Man at the Airport. It's Hassan. I'm going to get it right. Hassan Alcantara. Is that pretty good? <laughs> Almost. That's good Al- though. Alcantara. There's not, no ra. Alcantara. <sighs> Oh, it's the roll of the R. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Right, I'll give myself a B plus. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I right. will give you A. I hey, you- I love it. Ten out of ten for trying. Nice. Thank you so much um, for being here. A Syrian man who really just got lost in politics and now is proudly a part of Canada and uh and here permanently which is great so we like that so that's always good thank you very much for being here go to man at the airport.com that is the easiest way to get connected with all of hassan's socials and everything else um it really truly is my pleasure thank you thank you very much for having me such a pleasure it's the shift podcast 
stevestepping.ca is his uh, website, by the way. If you want to check it out, he's got his blog there. Now, um, Steve likes scary movies. Yes. And uh, and that's just weird. <laughs> and uh, Ryan O'Donnell also likes them, too. Look, Shane, there's dozens of us that like horror movies. Dozens. Dozens, dozens and dozens. dozens we like are this. one. We are yes. many. Yes. <laughs> we, have, we have a high now, threshold. See, here's the thing. <laughs> All I had to do was say to Steve and Ryan on this call, I watched Men in Black International. Oh. And both of them scowled, <laughs> shook their head, and gave me this look of shame and disappointment. No, like not at you. Like you didn't make the movie, but I, I mean, but why? <laughs> so I watched the show, mm-hmm. and the show got to the end, mm-hmm. and I turned off the show, and I was like, "That was fun," and I walked away. Mm-hmm. So but- why do you say that it was so dreadful? Honestly, uh, I feel like I'm going to ask you about the movie in like four or five weeks and you'll be like, did I watch that? Like it, 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 there's like there's honestly nothing that's going to like stick around and be, and be memorable. And I mean, let's face it about the Men in Black series, because I do like the first uh, two movies. Uh, there's sorry, there's three movies, and, but it's diminishing returns with each of them. The first one's a cool movie. Barry Sonnenfeld does a great job. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Will Smith have really, really great chemistry. It continues into the second movie. And then they do this time travel shift thing with the third movie that has like Josh Brolin as a young uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And it just doesn't work. And I think it soured everybody on, on making more. So when they get to this international one, they don't have any of the original cast uh, instead we got chris hemsworth and tessa thompson two very very likable people mm-hmm. uh but it's just a movie that i don't know to me it just felt like just a piece of buttered toast there wasn't anything exciting to it vegan butter <laughs> toast <laughs> that's what it's it was not like that bad. i don't uh, i thought it was really great i mean i think the the characters were great i mean the little miniature dude um that oh, actor Kumail Nanjani yeah. does the voice. He's yeah, he's so great. funny. And you know what? I thought she did an amazing job. I thought he mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, Chris Helmsworth was pretty typecast in it. But I thought that, I'm sorry, I don't know the, the lady actor's name. Uh, Tessa um, Thompson. So I thought she was dynamite. And then it had the uh, the lady from, see, this is me in movies. Um, what's the Christmas movie? The, the one that's in the UK. Love with, Actually. Um, a- Love Actually. A- yeah, Emma Thompson, who actually features in my first movie tonight. Yeah. Okay. See. So there you go. So this this is how Steve and I get along because I'm like, you know, that guy, <laughs> that guy from the thing, and Steve knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought they did a great job. I listen. Shift heads, <laughs> go watch uh, MIB and if international, it's on Netflix. And if you don't like it, you can blame me. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I think that it's. I think that I'm curious. I feel like I'm on an island here, and I thought it was just a nice, simple, entertaining movie. And I was like, I like the international aspect of this. I could watch another one. That's what they're hoping. Yeah, yeah, it's a franchise. You just, yeah, you just don't agree. All right, cool. Well, let's um, let's <laughs> dig into the things that um, that is recommended. Clearly, uh, this one um, is sort of like the kids' movie gone scary. It seems it's Cruella. She thought she owned everyone. It's foolish, unhinged, or you'll fired. Why are you speaking? I think you've licked me. But there's something about poetic justice that's just so poetic. You won't admit you love me. And so... 
Okay, is this the one that has basically Cruella, but then there's another young up-and-comer Cruella, and they fight it out? Uh, ba- well, basically, uh, Emma Thompson's kind of the villain uh, of this one who plays uh, the Baroness uh, Von Hellman, who is like the uh, she is essentially the Cruella. Like she is the top of the fashion world uh, and uh, the, the boss from hell and everything. And uh, Cruella, well, she, at this point, she's Estella. She hasn't quite uh, adopted that persona. Uh, kind of uh, joins her as the, her protege and starts to form this character, uh, Cruella, uh, to kind of fight back against the Baroness because she believes that she uh, killed her mother. And uh, it's part of this whole uh, humanizing or sympathizing with the villain because, of course, Cruella the villain is going to go on to try and murder 101 Dalmatians just to make a freaking coat. So <laughs> it's a little troubling in that aspect that we have so many blockbuster films that are trying to humanize a villain a la joker and everything um but i maybe that chip on my shoulder actually worked going into this movie because i actually really dug this film uh it looks it's stylish as hell it looks like a billion dollars in production design and emma thompson who we already mentioned earlier is the supreme mvp of this movie and actually heightens emma stone's performance as cruella so uh all in all it actually works quite well even though i thought from the trailer, I thought this was going to be a flop. Huh. It does look pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not very believable that you'd make a quote of Dalmatians. I mean, Huskies, maybe, but not Dalmatians. Come <laughs> on. But Husky puppies are the cutest. I mean, you know how much time I spent on TikTok flipping through, like, Husky puppy videos now in life? Like, this is, to me, is an essential part of life, is seeing Husky puppies. <laughs> Your algorithm rhythm must be so interesting. Oh, my algorithm's crazy. And then there's, like, tractors. It's <laughs> the strangest thing. <laughs> Huskies and tractors. That's right. Oh, man. Okay, Steve Stebbing, uh, stevestebbing.ca. What the hell should we watch this weekend? A Quiet Place Part 2. I don't know why you came all the way up here. There's nothing left. People had finally given up hope. I just thought that was the Quiet Place part. Sorry, my apologies. Okay, yes. tell us about the movie. Quiet Place Part 2, not about the state of Canadian theaters right now. Um, oh. But basically, you're going to have to find a drive-in or something like that right now because this one is only going to be playing in theaters uh, if you're in the Vancouver area, I believe Langley is going to be playing it all weekend. Uh, so I hopefully this one's going to stick around uh, for when theaters open up in mid-June. Um, but basically, this is a huge sequel to one of the breakthrough horror films of the last five years. Uh, John Krasinski is the writer and director behind it, uh, the sequel. And uh, basically, it follows Emily Blunt and the rest of the family as they venture out of their house into this world that's basically has creatures that are hunt by sound uh and the first movie is just impeccably done and actually very scary in, in many regards and uh from what all what i'm reading right now because they didn't screen this one for me uh it's much of the same and and a very cool uh continuation of the story and apparently young actress Millicent Simmons steals this film uh and she's actually a deaf actress herself which i find very interesting Next on Steve's list of the new releases for What the Hell Should We Watch This Weekend, Body Brokers. 
Since 2008, every healthcare provider needs to cover substance abuse treatment. This is what we in the treatment industry call a gold rush. So how much are they paying you? Huh? Tina! Bonafide first timer, he's not making a dollar. Hey man, how can I get in? Utah, welcome to the team. <laughs> Hello, this is the Addiction Services Center. What is this? It's the American dream. I don't know how to take that as a nightclub movie or a scary movie. No, it's like it's this based on a true story, kind of like crime uh, drama. And it's really cynical, but also like kind of like fact based as well. Um, but basically it has Val Kilmer's son, Jack, is playing a uh, essentially a, a junkie who um, f- finds a guy that wants to get him into rehab. But then uh, once he gets him to rehab, he, the guy's like, well, do you have any other junkie friends or anything or anyone else that we can bring in? And it turns out that there is this swindle going on that that people are making money off of uh, entering people into really rich uh, um rehabs and rehab services and everything and basically the turnover is making these people all this money and it's just like a just a really like angry and biting film that i think just hits home so many times and it just kind of shows how uh the rehabilitation system in in the states especially uh the money in that industry is uh really not helping anybody good movies don't bite people (laughs) <laughs> good tip on blu-ray and dvd this weekend the long weekend which was last weekend but it's the title of the next film you've never played with a sparkler nope run you've got to run with me come on forever tonight i met a girl you met a girl forever tonight i came to town to i don't know escape i had some emotional problems and now i'm broke my life is in total shambles do you want to do shots? Uh, tell me about Long Weekend, because when someone says to me on um, Mail It In Fridays, do you want to do shots? <laughs> I'm like, yes, please. Yeah, well, basically, and this is a rom-com, which is usually, uh, it could be hit or miss, honestly, for me, um, because they're either stale or kind of dated or just cheesy and corny, and it's just hard to get any kind of tether in because you're just like i don't believe any of this for a second but this one starts off with giving you a likable character of uh, finn whitrock's character bart who is basically at a just kind of a downer part of his life he's freshly out of a a relationship that uh really kind of did him in emotionally wise uh he's uh dealing with the death in the family and everything and then he finds this girl played by zoe chow um who basically just kind of is the perfect person for him at the right place at the right time. Uh, So, and the reason why she's there is one of the most uh, biggest swerves I've seen in, uh, in a film like this in a long time. And it does it again uh, later in the movie, uh, something that I definitely don't want to give away, but just fascinating uh, in in the writing of this one, a first time uh, director, uh, Stephen Bassalone made this one. And I was, really quite impressed because i didn't expect much honestly because it was on dvd not blu-ray which is like when you go direct to dvd without the higher function you're like is this one any good hmm. i come i've come up with my own review you ready okay okay uh friends reunion trailer um uh, is coming out this is the best this is the this is it right here 
And what you heard is the best part of the Friends reunion trailer. That's it. That's the whole review. Um, <laughs> on television, uh, do you want to do Master of None or do you want to do Macintosh? Which ones? Because uh, we have time for one here, I think. Let's do Masters of None. Master, okay, of, Master, None, sorry. Master of None, season three on Netflix. Okay. Hypothetical for you. Mm, okay. <laughs> Let's say yeah. we're at a party. Mm-hmm. Maxwell's playing. Love him. You don't know me. I don't know you. And I ask you out on a date. Would you say yes? Uh, was that a question? Was it, he's talking to me? <laughs> this is such an interesting one because this is the third season for this series, which is, I mean, it won Crapola's Award, Golden Globes, Emmys, everything, and Seasons Ari and Alan Yang just, just cleaned up. Um, but this f- season doesn't feature either of them. Uh, well, Aziz Ansari as a character, Alan Yang and an, as an actor, but instead it goes mm-hmm. with Lena Thwaites character, who is a background writer in the show and kind of a background character for like a limited series called Moments of uh, Moments of Love, where the, her and her wife are trying to figure out the next step, whether it be kids or uh, moving out to the countryside, moving out of New York. Like there's just so many big things with this. So it's a really well done series. Uh, because they said Maxwell's coming on, I just figured we would just... Get this in the background, because Maxwell is unbelievable. And dynamite here, by the way. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, should look up Maxwell if you're looking for some some absolutely soul-filled, fantastic awesomeness in the music world. Okay, so we have about a minute left, Steve. I did want to ask you, for the first time we've seen in a year, we actually have... Uh, a look at theaters reopening. Tell me, what is the one number one thing that you're most excited about? Um, honestly, just it doesn't even matter the movie at this point. Like maybe something big blockbuster would be cool to watch. Like Fast and Furious is out in a few weeks, so it's going to be big, dumb, and and loud. So maybe that's the one that kickstarted it. But yeah, there is going to be a stigma on that first movie I see in theaters, and it, uh, it, it you know, as the kids say, it better be a banger. Or I'm going to be a, a little pissed. Ryan, is that what the kids say? <laughs> this is bad um, uh, I would say I am not a great person to ask because <laughs> I, I would say dope. I, I like dope. That's dope, dope. dude. Like, that's Dope's for my era, too. It's yeah, era. but I also uh, worked with a guy who said wizard sometimes. Like, that's Ooh. so wizard, dude. Yeah. I'm taking really? that. I worked I'm with a guy who used to say that. that. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's change it. He used it. to say that. I'm going to take a wizard, um, but it was different. <laughs> Very different. Okay, um, there it is. Uh, it's soon to be hanging out at the Penticton Landmark Cinemas, the uh, number one guy in line. You'll see him there. He'll look handsome, that's for sure. SteveStepping.ca is uh, his uh, his website. You can see the blog and all the things of what the hell Steve should watch this weekend. Thanks, brother. Have a great weekend. It's been a wizard time, friends. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.